radio station. From the fish-filled Midwest lakes to the deep woods of the north, upland prairies filled with pheasants to whistling wings of duck ponds, this is Thursday Night Fan Outdoors. This is the show for hunting and fishing tips, topics, and conversation. Loaded up and ready to go, it's the Captain Billy Hildebrand. It is time for Fan Outdoors. Yes, coming to you lakeside. Bright sunshine, mild wind, delightful day, and I can't wait to bring you two hours of outdoor conversation. I am accompanied by four dogs, three Britneys, one Golden Retriever, both my sons and Debbie are here too. It is a cabin cast this evening as it is each and every week during the summertime. Yep. I have just uh, kind of escaped the Twin Cities and living it up. That's all I can say. The fish bite, the fish don't bite. I can find them, I can't find them. It's all about that. Yep. Let's welcome into the conversation my very good friend and co-host, who is about to uh, his escape of his own. Yes, he will be back in the woods making like Davy Crockett and wearing a coonskin <laughs> hat and not too distant future. Yep, living off the land. Oh, it's going to be good. He would be Mr. Bob St. Pierre. How are you, my friend? <laughs> I'm, I'm doing great. It's, uh, it is a top tenor today. It's just gorgeous. You got your buckskins ready to go and escape back into the woods with nothing but a knife? <laughs> They're all packed. Yep. The, oh, the trailer's boy. on the hitch. Trailer's on the hitch, and the buckskins are in the back seat. That away. <laughs> that's what I like. You know, you're you are probably one of the uh, the most innovative outdoor people that I know. I mean, rubbing two sticks together to get a fire to boil some water so you know it's safe to drink and mm-hmm. and catching fish and roasting them on sticks, it's all good stuff. Yeah, you, you say it almost as if you're joking. Uh, I'm not. Are <laughs> you know. kidding? <laughs> yeah. We're, I'm going to hunt and gather my way through the rest of 2020. There you uh, go. And, <laughs> I, believe it or not, I got... Uh, I got a 2021 calendar in the mail today from the Nature Conservancy. Oh, my talk goodness about, gracious. Talk, talk about trying to move the year along. Nature well, Conservancy I don't want to move is, the year along too fast. Well, I don't know. 2020 has been a rough one, though, Cap. Yeah, but, but that means it's all up to you. It's, it's, it's going to be great from here. Well, it, it should be. We do have... Uh, we do have autumn to look forward to, which is pretty much the best season of the year. And now, uh, don't don't wanna... don't leave summer behind quite yet and go chasing winter. I'm not ready for that, man. <laughs> I'm I'm starting to think about fall. Is that too early? Yeah, I think it's a little bit early. <laughs> <laughs> but I I got I got this mailer. It was the letter in the mailer was dated June the fifth. From the Nature Conservancy, 
and it had a 2021 calendar. To me, that's a bit aggressive, Captain. Yeah, I think it is just a little bit. <laughs> Dude, I saw a of, rabbit in the yard. I saw a rabbit in the yard earlier today, and I was going to try to snare it, and then I realized it's out of season, so we're going hungry this evening. <laughs> well, you should be going. You should have a great big birthday feast on the menu today because I, I did learn through social media that uh, you're celebrating a birthday today. Happy birthday. Well, thank you very much. And, you know, we just kind of let, as long as they keep coming and passing, I'm in great shape because the alternative is not real pleasant for yours truly. So we just keep no. taking them. That's okay. <laughs> Did you get on the water to celebrate your birthday today? I didn't today. The wind was blowing a gale again. And mm. the boys and I are going to hit the water early tomorrow. Uh, really looking forward to it. Hello. I, I have got some, I've got a little bit of something in my craw, and I guess I better get it off my chest right away. Because there's a lake that I frequent quite a bit, not too far from here, from where I am right now, and it's not this lake. But they, the, uh, the people on the lake have been so ob obsessed with killing the weeds, and especially the milfoil. The water last weekend went from crystal clear to murky and full of what people might call blue algae. Floating algae that's just nothing but gunk. And the fishing has gone totally downhill. Now, I don't know if it was just the day. could have been me. Um, and it could have been a lot of things. But I was not impressed in talking with the man I know who was at the access. He, had, he was not happy with the quality of the lake either. And I, we caught some fish. And I was with a young man, Avery, and uh, he loves to bass fish. And we did catch some fish. He caught some, and, as I did. But uh, not like it's been in the past. And, and granted, I talk about fishing memories an awful lot. And I... I, I was and I wasn't fishing memories. I was waiting for the fish to tell me what they what they wanted and what they were doing, and we went through the arsenal. I mean, the bottom of the boat, the floor of the boat looked like a tackle box, and I had to get all set to put stuff back in, and going from rod to rod to line and retying, and it, uh, it, it just never really clicked like I thought it was going to, and I'd hope for his sake it would, not for mine. But for his, and he had a great time. I mean, for because but I thought that the bite was not what it used to be, because in the past I'd, I'd keep sending you pictures, and holding <laughs> holding smallies and holding largies, and uh, so that's it. Just that's really what it what it was about. You were you were disappointed they weren't biting because you couldn't send me photos while I was working all day. Well, I sympathize with you, too, and I know that the past three months has been, have been difficult for you, so I'm just trying to cheer you up as all. That's all. <laughs> yeah. uh, friends like you. What's that? How's that saying go? <laughs> well, it's hard to find friends like me. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, it is disappointing, though. I mean, you. I know which lake you're talking about, and it's been uh, a sweet spot for you for 
for as long as I've known you and to see it deteriorate, um, that's disconcerting. It, it really is. And I think it's for all the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. Because what I suspicion, and I have zero skill and knowledge to back this up. This is just a gut feeling. But I have a feeling that it has more to do with the nutrient load in the water that was able to be kind of neutralized with the weeds that were there. But mm-hmm. by killing all those weeds, they've let that, uh, that, that nutrient load load up. And it has to manifest itself someplace. Uh, and it, I don't believe that it was the right place to manifest it. And, I, I, people, and people on this lake, too, when I go to the Lakeshore meetings, I mean, they're so dead against weeds. And I don't hmm. understand that because that's what makes a healthy lake. And if nothing grows and if it's just a fishbowl, there's a reason. I mean, it's so sterile. The people that just want to drive around and look at the places real close to shore, which is kind of funny, too, because when we come in using the Humminbird side imaging, you can look across the sandbar, Hmm. and you can see literally a 100 places where people have run aground. And just earlier this week, uh, we had somebody come by, and they got about 75 yards across it, and he slows down and looks down, and then head straight out. Well, he's already gone 75, and he's so lucky that it's just sand on the bottom. Hmm. But if there were rock or logs down there, he would have lost a proper lower unit, and there would be a it'd be a, like a graveyard out there. Mm-hmm. It's just unfortunate that people don't pay more attention to that, I guess. But. Anyway, I should uh, I should, I digress, and we should let people know what's going to happen, rather than I'm I'm got I feel much better now. I've got that off. Well, that it is your birthday. I was going to let you vent. You had <laughs> by my by my clock. You had ninety more seconds to unload. But uh, well, I'm all done. I'm, I'm glad you feel better now. I feel much better. Thank you for uh, for allowing me to do this. I appreciate it. <laughs> And everybody's worried about the dogs barking, but I, I tell folks it's four dogs in this little place. You know, it's live radio. I can't stop that. Um, plus, it's kind of fun unless I'm trying to sleep, and it's no fun at all. And I have no idea what they bark at most of the time. It's just something that runs through their mind that must look like barking, barkable stuff. But anyway, uh, following this little monologue of nothingness to say, Tommy George joins us this evening, so we'll talk fishing with Tommy, who was out in the boat with the father of one of the people that we know very, very well, and they just about got blown off yesterday. And it was a a blowing a bloody gale, and I watched people (laughs) drift by in front of me yesterday, and they boated four walleyes. And the, the it had to be three to three and a half footers, and <laughs> I would have got. I was getting kind of ill just watching them going up and down so much. But they did, they, use, they did boat some fish. Do you use your English accent when you talk to them? Uh, sometimes. <laughs> yeah, it blew sometimes. a bloody gale. 
It does. So, and then we're going to talk dogs this evening, and I thought it was it's about time that we talk some dogs. After all, Bob St. Pierre is thinking fall already, so <laughs> far be it for me to say anything negative to that. But Tommy Dockin joins us from Oak Ridge Kennels in Northview, uh, Northfield. And uh, Northview, that's where I used to work years ago. And we'll talk with Tom about the dogs and about uh, primarily I, I want to chat with him about e-collars too because I think it's something that people really don't use properly and it'll be nice to see how Tom does use them and what he does to rely on them. So we'll talk with Tom about that. And if people have questions, they're welcome to probably tweet Bob or you can tweet me too. Um, or you can text me also if you know that. But don't send an email to booth at kfan.com because nobody's there to get it. And uh, I, I can't receive those here. And then later on in the program, we're going to go to Clam Outdoors and talk with the uh, a person from Clam Outdoors, Mr. Dan Stefanich, and talk with him about the importance of wearing clothing that will deflect the sun's rays and not burn you. And of this, I speak with some authority because this guy had cancer removed from my face one layer of skin at a time a number of years ago, and I'm not going to have that happen again. And I know some other fishermen in the south uh, got cancer really bad from from the sun and not taking care of it. So there are things you can do, and there are things that you can help you take care of yourself so you'll be around a long time to enjoy this beautiful world that we have. So it's uh, that's about it, and it's going to be good stuff. I'm, we're looking forward to it. So we are going to take our first pause. On our return, we'll be chatting with... Mr. Tommy George, who is a pro angler, been around a long time too, and uh, we're all aiming at letting you shoot for success when you get out on the water, okay? All right. Bob St. Pierre is in his humble abode with trying on his buckskins as we speak. He's getting all set. He's probably got his, uh, his blade strapped to his side. Maybe he's wearing loincloths again tonight. I don't know, but that's a possibility, too. And we'll be back right after this with Tommy George. Listen to the fan. Lazy yellow moon coming up to tonight, shining through the trees. Crickets are singing in lightning bugs are floating on the We're back. Fan Outdoors coming your way. Bob St. Pierre. Uh, uh, remotely, Billy Hildebrand, too. It's a cabin cast on my end. And we are delighted to be with you. Let's welcome into the conversation a friend of ours who's with us every other week now, talking fishing and all things fishing. This is soft water and hard water, too, but not right now. We're talking exclusively soft water and summertime in particular he would be pro angler mr tommy george tommy good evening good morning good day to you my friend <laughs> billy, billy hello billy and, and bob 
both of you, Billy, before we even start, uh, Chad Abbott, Willie Abbott, all the Abbots, and myself, I want to wish you a very, very happy birthday. And I hope your days are all blessed and always, always on the bite. Well, thank you, sir. I appreciate that. And uh, you, you and I both know that we can't have everything that we want. <laughs> That's true. As much as I want it, Tommy. Oh, yeah. I had the uh, a real uh, fun privilege today of fishing with the retired head of our DNR, Minnesota DNR, Jim Jimmy Leash. And oh, okay. Jimmy and I and Willie Abbott went out today again. We were out yesterday, and you were going to mention that it was it was like a hurricane out there. It was unbelievable. <laughs> I know? can't believe you went, Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> I figured I'd fish a small lake, and it wouldn't be too bad. And I tell you, it was the worst. It was the worst of the whole year. I mean, it was <laughs> unbelievable. And we we caught a meal of fish for Willie, but and then we caught a nice meal of fish today with for Jimmy, but. Uh, it was fallacious, but it was still, like you said, the people on your lake when they're heavy-duty whitecaps, I mean, this was amazing. So it's good to be safe out there, but uh, you got to watch, you know, you got to watch yourself when you're out there and don't take too many chances. Well, and I think if you're on high, if you've got a boat with fairly high sides or you're just, as you said, Tommy, you're smart, you can handle it. I did see a boat today that was real low in the water. And it looked like an old, almost a, the old wooden boat style that from years ago. But it rode real low in the water, or it just had a whole bunch of people in it, too. It had four people in it, which probably was too many. But I would not have brought that out yesterday. There's no way. No, you're right. It's it's uh, it's fun getting out on the water no matter when, but uh, you got to wait for the nice days, and there's still plenty ahead of us. So, And the water temperature right now is, uh, is getting really warm, and we... Uh, we caught some really beautiful sunfish today. I know we had some three-quarter pound plus sunnies, and uh, they're still basically the water temperature around the, uh, the metro area is really nice, and most of the fish are on the spawning beds now, the crappies and the sunfish, that is. And, uh, but uh, like up north, they're a good week, at least a week um, behind us. So uh, up there, they're probably not even on the beds yet. So it, de- it all depends. The water temperature really says a lot when it comes to almost all the species, Billy. Tommy, with the, when people talk, and, and I'm, I'm guilty of this too, but when they talk about the fish on the beds, the thing that I think that I and a lot of folks don't realize, when they move up on a, a spawning bed, they're not there very long. I mean, they're doing their thing, and it doesn't take long for that fry to hatch. And some of them are gone. Some of the the males will stick around to protect the ball of fry for a while. But it don't take long for them to do their thing. No, exactly. Uh, The fish don't all spawn at at the same time, as you know, Billy, and and most people know that. But uh, like you say, you can still get a, a solid week of fish spawning uh, in a you know a certain lake, and they'll they'll come in and then they'll move out. And like you say, it, it doesn't it doesn't take long. A females could come in, lay eggs. I mean, immediately, and they're gone within a number of hours. And uh, and the males can they'll come in and protect that nest, like you said. So that's when I'd like to stay away from. Let them do their thing. I'd like love to see them little ones hatch, and that's just it. Just makes the the best future for our little ones and for you and I down the road. You know, instead of taking all these fish up off the beds. I'll wait until they spawn out and then 
and then fish them when they're just a little bit tougher. But they, they, right now, these fish that have spawned, we're catching fish. Now, all the sunfish we caught today were all spawned out. These big females are all spawned out. And if we do find any that are really plump, like they swallowed a little ping-pong ball, we'll release them because we know they're right, ready to go. And uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's much better to do that. And I tell the kids, and they, they go along with me. And they're really, my boys are really into catch and release, and I love it. Like you said, Billy, it makes you feel really good. They catch some nice fish. And my son Ben will uh, say, uh, Dad, we're not keeping these crappies. They're 12 inches or 13 inches. And I say, that's fine. I love it to release them anyways. 10, 10 to 11 inch crappies are basically the best eaters anyways. And the big ones are fun to catch, but let somebody else catch them, especially some young people. Um, and it's, to them, it, that's a trophy. And some of them will put them on the wall, which is wonderful. You know, as it's relatively easy to catch crappie, you know, uh, May and into beginning of June. But after they spawn, then it becomes hard for me to find them. What, uh, do they just go deep and scatter, or do you have success targeting crappies um, as summer progresses and moves along, Tommy? Bob, the best way – now, Jimmy – Jimmy Leach today caught all the crappies. We had like four or five crappies. He caught every one of them. And Willie and I were catching the sunnies, and we're all doing the same thing. But he had, <laughs> don't believe it, he had a white jig. No, I'm sorry, he had a yellow jig with a <laughs> kind of an <laughs> orange tail. I was thinking of you with your white twister tail. But we were all we were doing, really, even in that wind, I put the trolling motor on slow, and we were trolling over the top of these weeds. Now, these weeds are 15, 16 feet deep. And we're trolling over the top of them with very small little jigs. We're using actually almost like an ice ice jig, ice fly. And we're, we're trolling over the top of these weeds, and that's where we're catching the crappies. So what they do, as far as I'm concerned, what I've seen over the years is once they spawn out, they'll move to the edges of the weeds or they'll, they'll stay right up on top of the weeds and they're feeding in them weeds where, you know, there's little minnows and um, bugs and, and uh, mayflies that are popping up. Now there's a lot of... Uh, flies, you should have seen the, the, the fly hatch yesterday on the lake. My truck was full of them when I went to put the boat on the trailer. And these fish, once they get into these bugs, it's really tough to catch them. I mean, they're just loaded almost like a mayfly hatch. So, But uh, I would are, try are, either the top the top of the weeds, Bob, or the weed edges. And I think you'll, your success will really increase. And especially during the middle of the summer when it really, when they really get when water gets really warm and these crappies are nowhere near to, you know, um, done, totally done spawning, go out to the edges of the weeds and fish some of the deep, the deepest edges of the weeds and you'll find crappies. Our guest is Tommy George, pro angler, and we're talking with him about summer fishing. And Tommy, one of the other things I noticed last weekend when I was out, we came, we were bouncing in and out of shallow water and going out to deep water and kind of looking for fish. I get into shallow, weedy water, and there were reeds in there, and I could see really nice sunfish, and I'll bet. And I haven't done that, and I, I didn't really think about it at the time. But if I had my box of ice flies and some, oh, the Northland, some of the, the little minnow type, or even uh, the the clam, uh, um, yeah, the, some of the clam plastics, and yeah. and put 
put those on, I'll bet you a person could catch those fish you can see, because usually they're pretty hard to catch if you can see them. They can see you. Yes, exactly. That's a, when when whenever you see beds, you you better move away. That's why I say long casts in the springtime, because if if you can see them, they can see you. And we always use uh, these weighted bobbers, so you can make a good long cast. But uh, th- that's what Jimmy Leash was using today. He was using some some gulp. Um, uh, these little fry, and he was getting these crappies, and it, it had to be the flavor of the of the bait. And I was using some um, impulse pieces too, and we were catching uh, sunfish and crappies just with this plastic. We we're using also wax worms too, but these fish they ripped them wax worms off so fast that it's it's yeah. a pain to keep rebaiting. So you start using plastics, and these fish are eaten now, and that's why you can start. With either impulse gulp or some of the power baits that Berkeley makes, and it is unbelievable, and it it makes all the difference in the world. You can catch a whole bunch of fish on on these and never have to rebait. You know, you have a bite and you don't get them, you just leave it back down. You just keep the barad back down there, and they'll bite it again instead of trying with wax worms and you pull it, you miss the bait, and then you don't have anything on that hook again, and and you could drag it for days and you're not going to get a bite. So, but uh, the plastics really make a difference, and, and they're really inexpensive. You buy a jar of whatever you want, and some of these impulse baits, it's it's phenomenal. I mean, if once they try it, they'll be sold on them. Yeah, and the Northland makes the uh, the impulse, and the impulse, they they yeah. are they're impregnated with some kind of scent, but the the stuff really does work. Yeah. And it's amazing. And if you haven't tried it, I highly recommend you pick some up when you go to the bait shop or you go to a sporting goods store. I think uh, one of the dogs saw something he wants to do. would probably be with somebody else. I love it. <laughs> um, but, you know, that's one of the things, too. If you try different things. I think that's one of the crucial, crucial activities. And last weekend... There was a, a walleye tournament here on the lake, a 50-boat walleye tournament. It was catch, measure, photo, and release, immediate release. And nice. I think that's where a lot of them are going to end up. But in that sense, that Eric and his buddy got went out, and they found a spot, and it, was, it had fish in it. There was only a, another boat, maybe two boats there when they got a long way away from it. Turns out it was a huge area of fish, and it had to be a giant school of fish. And Ooh. he looked, Eric looked up, and there were 25 boats of the 50-boat tournament there, and everybody was catching fish. Oh, so wow. he was all excited. He was going to go back out the next day. The next day, they were gone, literally gone. And uh, not to be found and not to be discovered or anything else. They had just exit stage left, and I no, we still don't have no idea where they all went. But there were a bunch of them. <laughs> Billy, that's happened to me so many times where you've caught fish in one spot and you were sure they'd, they'd be there the next day to take other people out to enjoy it. You go there and it's like it's it's just totally they totally vanish. And uh, yeah. you you look around the area and it, you don't know where they went. So I have uh, I'm I'm still clueless where these fish do end up. I mean, I know they move a lot. I'd say walleyes move more than most fish. I know Sonny's 
school up tight and they love the weeds and so do crappies. They, they school up tight. Wallies are, wallies will school up heavy like you just saw. And, but once they start moving, they'll, they'll travel a long way. And it's got to be fish wise. Yes, exactly. That's right. Uh, or bait wise. I mean, they got to be food. Yes, um, that's what they're following. Tommy, we're up against the clock, my friend. I guess I'll ask if you're going to go out uh, this weekend, and, and uh, what's your plan? Well, actually, Billy, I'm, uh, tomorrow i got to babysit uh, some dogs and cats uh, for the whole weekend. And the weather is supposed to, we're supposed to get another front coming in. So you know what? I'm going to I'm gonna let the weather settle down, and I know next weekend I told uh, Willie and, and Jimmy they were going to go out again. And uh, so they're excited, and so am I. But uh, again, Billy, happy birthday to you, uh, for you, and I hope that uh, uh, your your son Chad is doing good with his foot and everything is going good with him. And it's always good talking to you guys. Hey, it's good. We will talk again, Tommy, in a couple of weeks, my friend. Until that time, thank you very much, and good fishing to you <laughs> and your family, and hi to Willie and Jim also, please. I sure will. Thanks, Billy. That's Tommy George, pro angler Tommy George, and joins us every other week here on Fan Outdoors right now. We will take a pause and be back and switch the conversation from fish to not fowl. No, I almost said that. No, fish to dogs with pro, pro trainer extraordinaire Mr. Tom Dockin. We'll be back with more after this. Listen to the fan. Lazy yellow moon coming up to tonight, shining through the trees. Crickets are singing and lightning bugs are floating on the breeze. Baby, get ready. We're back. Fan Outdoors coming your way. Bob St. Pierre. Uh, uh, remotely. Billy Hildebrand, too. It's a cabin cast on my end. And we are delighted to be with you. Let's welcome into the conversation a friend of ours who's with us every other week now, talking fishing and all things fishing. This is soft water and hard water, too, but not right now. We're talking exclusively soft water and summertime in particular. He would be pro angler, Mr. Tommy George. Tommy, good evening, good morning, good day to you, my friend. <laughs> Billy, hey, Billy, hello, Billy and, and Bob. Both of you, Billy, before we even start, uh, Chad Abbott, Willie Abbott, all the Abbots, and myself, I want to wish you a very, very happy birthday. And I hope your days are all blessed and always, always on the bite. Well, thank you, sir. I appreciate that. And uh, you, you and I both know that we can't have everything that we want. <laughs> That's true. As much as I want it, Tommy. Oh, yeah. I had the uh, a real uh, fun privilege today of fishing with the retired head of our DNR, Minnesota DNR, Jim Jimmy Leash. And oh, okay. Jimmy and I and Willie Abbott went out today again. We were out yesterday, and you were going to mention that it was it was like a hurricane out there. It was unbelievable. <laughs> I can't believe you went, Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> I figured I'd fish a small lake, and it wouldn't be too bad. And I tell you, it was the worst. It was the worst of the whole year. I mean, it was unbelievable. And we 
We caught a meal of fish for Willie, but and then we caught a nice meal of fish today with for Jimmy. But uh, it was hellacious. But it was still like you said, the people on your lake when they're heavy duty whitecaps. I mean, this was amazing. So it's good to be safe out there. But uh, you got to watch. You know, you got to watch yourself when you're out there, and don't take too many chances. Well, and I think if you're on high, if you've got a boat with fairly high sides, or you're just as you said, Tommy, you're smart. You can handle it. I did see a boat today that was real low in the water, and it looked like an old, almost a, the old wooden boat style that from years ago. But it rode real low in the water, or it just had a whole bunch of people in it, too. It had four people in it, which probably was too many. But I would not have brought that out yesterday. There's no way. No, you're right. It's... it's uh... It's fun getting out on the water no matter when, but uh, you got to wait for the nice days, and there's still plenty ahead of us. So, and the water temperature right now is uh, is getting really warm, and we uh, we caught some really beautiful sunfish today. I know we had some three quarter pound plus sunnies, and uh, they're still basically the water temperature around the uh, the metro area is really nice, and most of the fish are on the spawning beds now, the crappies and the sunfish that is, and uh, but uh, like up north they're a good week at least a week um, behind us. So uh, up there, they're probably not even on the beds yet. So it it all depends. The water temperature really says a lot when it comes to almost all the species, Billy. Tommy, with the, when people talk, and and I'm I'm guilty of this too, but when they talk about the fish on the beds, the thing that I think that I and a lot of folks don't realize, when they move up on a, a spawning bed, they're not there very long. I mean, they're doing their thing, and it doesn't take long for that fry to hatch. And some of them are gone. Some of the the males will stick around to protect the ball of fry for a while. But it don't take long for them to do their thing. No, exactly. Uh, The fish don't all spawn at at the same time, as you know, Billy, and and most people know that. But uh, like you say, you can still get a, a solid week of fish spawning uh, in a you know a certain lake, and they'll they'll come in and then they'll move out. And like you say, it, it doesn't it doesn't take long. Uh, females could come in, lay eggs. I mean, immediately, and they're gone within a number of hours. And uh, and the males can they'll come in and protect that nest, like you said. So that's when I'd like to stay away from. Them. Let them do their thing. I'd like love to see them little ones hatch, and that's just it. Just makes the the best future for our little ones and for you and I down the road. You know, instead of taking all these fish up off the beds i'll wait until they spawn out and then and then fish them when they're just a little bit tougher but they they, right now these fish that have spawned we're catching fish now all the sunfish we caught today were all spawned out these big females are all spawned out and if we do find any that are really plump like they swallowed a little ping pong ball we'll release them because we know they're right ready to go and uh it's uh it's 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 much better to do that, and I tell the kids, and they they go along with me, and they're really, my boys are really into catch and release, and I love it. Like you said, Billy, it makes you feel really good. They catch some nice fish, and my son Ben will uh, say, uh, Dad, we're not keeping these copies. They're 12 inches or 13 inches, and I say, that's fine. I love it to release them anyways. 10, 10 to 11-inch crappies are basically the best eaters anyways, and the big ones are fun to catch, but let somebody else catch them, especially some young people. Um, and it's, to them, it, that's a trophy. And some of them will put them on the wall, which is wonderful. You know, as it's relatively easy to catch crappie 
you know, uh, May and into beginning of June. But after they spawn, then it becomes hard for me to find them. What, uh, do they just go deep and scatter, or do you have success targeting crappies um, as summer progresses and moves along, Tommy? Bob, the best way – now, Jimmy – Jimmy Leash today caught all the crappies. We had like four or five crappies. He caught every one of them. And Willie and I were catching the sunnies, and we we're all doing the same thing. But he had, <laughs> don't believe it, he had a white jig. No, I'm sorry, he had a yellow jig with a <laughs> kind of an <laughs> orange tail. I was thinking of you with your white twister tail. But we were all we were doing, really, even in that wind, I put the trolling motor on slow, and we were trolling over the top of these weeds. Now, these weeds are 15, 16 feet deep. And we're trolling over the top of them with very small little jigs. We're using actually almost like an ice ice jig, ice fly. And we're, we're trolling over the top of these weeds, and that's where we're catching the crappies. So what they do, as far as I'm concerned, what I've seen over the years is once they spawn out, they'll move to the edges of the weeds or they'll, they'll stay right up on top of the weeds and they're feeding in them weeds where, you know, there's little minnows and um, bugs and, and uh, mayflies that are popping up. Now there's a lot of... Uh, flies, you should have seen the, the, the fly hatch yesterday on the lake. My truck was full of them when I went to put the boat on the trailer. And these fish, once they get into these bugs, it's really tough to catch them. I mean, they're just loaded almost like a mayfly hatch. So, but, uh, I would try either the top, top of the weeds, Bob, or the weed edges. And I think you'll, your success will really increase. And especially during the middle of the summer when it really, when they really get when water gets really warm and these crappies are nowhere near to, you know, um, done, totally done spawning, go out to the edges of the weeds and fish some of the deep, the deepest edges of the weeds and you'll find crappies. Our guest is Tommy George, pro angler, and we're talking with him about summer fishing. And Tommy, one of the other things I noticed last weekend when I was out, we came, we were bouncing in and out of shallow water and going out to deep water and kind of looking for fish. I get into shallow, weedy water, and there were reeds in there, and I could see really nice sunfish, and I'll bet. And I haven't done that, and I, I didn't really think about it at the time. But if I had my box of ice flies and some, oh, the Northland, some of the, the little minnow type, or even uh, the the clam, uh, um, yeah, the some of the clam plastics, and yeah. and put put those on. I'll bet you a person could catch those fish you can see because usually they're pretty hard to catch if you can see them. They can see you. Yes, exactly. That's a, when when whenever you see beds, you you better move away. That's why I say long casts in the springtime because if if you can see them, they can see you. And we always use uh, these weighted bobbers so you can make a good long cast. But uh, th that's what Jimmy Leash was using today. He was using some some gulp. Um, uh, these little fry, and he was getting these crappies, and it, it had to be the flavor of the of the bait. And I was using some um, impulse pieces too, and we were catching uh, sunfish and crappies just with this plastic. We're using also wax worms too, but these fish they rip them wax worms off so fast that it's it's yeah. a pain to keep rebaiting. So you start using plastics, and these fish are eaten now, and that's why you can start. With either impulse gulp or some of the power baits that Berkeley makes, and it is unbelievable. 
and it, it makes all the difference in the world. You can catch a whole bunch of fish on, on these and never have to rebait. You know, you have a bite and you don't get them, you just leave it back down. You just keep the barad back down there and they'll bite it again. Instead of trying with wax worms and you pull it, you miss the bait, and then you don't have anything on that hook again. And, and you could drag it for days and you're not going to get a bite. So, But uh, the plastics really make a difference and, and they're really inexpensive. You buy a jar of whatever you want and some of these impulse baits it's it's phenomenal i mean if once they try it they'll be sold on them yeah and the northland makes the uh, the impulse and impulse, they they yeah. are they're impregnated with some kind of scent but the, the stuff really does work yeah. and it's amazing and if you haven't tried it i highly recommend you pick some up when you go to the bait shop or you go to the sporting goods store I think uh, one of the dogs saw something he wants to do. He'd probably be with somebody else. I love it. <laughs> um, but, you know, that's one of the things, too. If you try different things. I think that's one of the crucial, crucial activities. And last weekend, there was a, a walleye tournament here on the lake, a 50-boat walleye tournament. It was catch, measure, photo, and release, immediate release. And nice. I think that's where a lot of them are going to end up. But in that sense, that Eric and his buddy got went out and they found a spot, and it was it had fish in it. There was only a another boat, maybe two boats there when they got a long way away from it. Turns out it was a huge area of fish, and it had to be a giant school of fish. And he looked. Eric looked up. And there were 25 boats of the 50-boat tournament there, and everybody was catching fish. So he was all excited. He was going to go back out the next day. The next day, they were gone, literally gone, and uh, not to be found and not to be discovered or anything else. They had just exit stage left and i no we still don't have no idea where they all went but there were a bunch of them <laughs> billy if that's happened to me so many times where you've caught fish in one spot and you were sure they'd they'd be there the next day to take other people out to enjoy it you go there and it's like it's it's it just totally they totally vanish and uh, yeah. you you look around the area and you don't know where they went so i have uh, i'm i'm still clueless where these fish do end up i mean they i know they move a lot i'd say walleyes move more than most fish i know sunnies school up tight and they love the weeds and so do crappies they they school up tight walleyes are walleyes will school up heavy like you just saw and but once they start moving they'll they'll travel a long way and it's got to be fish wise yes exactly that's right uh, or bait wise i mean they got to be food Yes, that's um, what they're following. Tommy, we're up against the clock, my friend. I guess I'll ask if you're going to go out uh, this weekend, and, and uh, what's your plan? Well, actually, Billy, I'm, uh, tomorrow i got to babysit uh, some dogs and cats uh, for the whole weekend. And the weather is supposed to, we're supposed to get another front coming in. So you know what, I'm going to I'm gonna let the weather settle down, and I know next weekend I told uh, Willie and, and Jimmy they were going to go out again. And uh, so they're excited, and so am I. But uh, again, Billy, happy birthday to you, uh, for you, and I hope that uh, uh, your your son Chad is doing good with his foot and everything is going good with him. And it's always good talking to you guys. 
Hey, it's good. We will talk again, Tommy, in a couple of weeks, my friend. Until that time, thank you very much, and good fishing to you and your family, and hi to Willie and Jim also, please. I sure will. Thanks, Billy. That's Tommy George, pro angler Tommy George, and joins us every other week here on Fan Outdoors right now. We will take a pause and be back and switch the conversation from fish to not fowl. No, I almost said that. No, fish to dogs with pro, pro trainer extraordinaire Mr. Tom Dockin. We'll be back with more after this. We are back, kind of piloting the fan outdoors boat. In this case, we're going to take it afield with a man who has been on with us a number of times before, and we always appreciate his wisdom, his wit, and uh, his suggestions. He would be Mr. Tom Dockin, professional trainer and the owner of Oak Ridge Kennels in Northolm. Tom, how are you, my friend? I'm good, Billy. How about yourself? Not too bad. Not too bad. And Bob now, St. Pierre is on with us also. Hey, Bob. How's it going, Tom? Good, good. And Now, my bride texted me and said, does somebody have a birthday today? <laughs> yeah, um, I do. Well, I told I t- Well, thank you very much. It's much appreciated. I just told the guys and everybody listening to that as long as they keep coming, Tom, I'm just happy as a clam. <laughs> That's a good thing. That is a good thing. It, it is. Hey, you know, and I, I know that uh, we go through hot spells of weather, and then we go through much cooler spells of weather. Does that have any impact on people when they train, or don't don't bird dogs and, and gun dogs really realize that? Oh, they do. I mean, I, I really can tell you, we get a cool day of training, I mean, and, and the dogs have just a way different temperament and attitude. They, they're fired up. They're ready to go. Kind of like when we've gone through a hot spell, and now we get close to September, and we get a cool day, I mean... I think we feel better, too. So, uh, yeah, they, they just have way more energy. And should should training change in the summer, Tom? And I, I know that Bob trains an awful lot with some friends of his, but should should your training regimen differ from day to day with the, the weather depending on temperatures? Yeah, you know, now when we start hitting, you know, when we start getting the mid-80s and, you know, we're going to hit that stretch – you know, maybe midsummer or maybe into August where you hit some of those 90 degree days, then we, we have to adjust. So what we're going to do, we're going to do our field work in the morning and then we're going to do water work in the afternoon. So we, we just adapt. I mean, we can't quit training because it gets, it gets warm. So we just take, here's a part of the day where it's going to be cooler. And then here's the part of the day when we can be in the water. So we don't really have to worry about it. And then, you know, if you're, if you're working and you come home, I mean, evening, it's going to cool down. So that's another time to get out and you can do your field work or do your exercise on land work. 
so there really isn't uh, a time when you have to stop. Uh, you know, I mean, it's different here. We don't hit like the hundreds that they do in Arizona and stuff, which it really stifles them. So we, we can always work. Do you have to change what you feed or how often you feed in the summer? Um, I'm thinking on one hand, you know, if dogs are not working very hard uh, in the summer months, you, I'm thinking you probably want to cut back so they don't get overweight. But then on the other hand, if you do have a pretty strict training regimen, um, do they still need as many calories in the summer? What do you do differently in the summer months? Well, we can see, we can see, you know, you get those really warm days and you'll just see even at feeding time how dogs are going to be different. Uh, they may not actually, you know, some dogs that just dive in and, and just write all over their food. You know, they, it, they might just take a while till it cools down a little bit before they eat. But I always say the best rule of thumb on just watching your dog and just keeping their weight right would be, you know, when you're going to look at your dog every day, if you're going to feed him, you're going to most likely be looking at him. So I want to see a little tuck behind the ribs. Um, you know, that's going to give you an indication that the dog is about right weight-wise. They're way healthier if um, if they're more trim than uh, if they're overweight. It's just, it's really tough on them, especially you get hot weather, too. That just doubles down on being mm. tough on them. Uh, so I think throughout the year, I mean, when I feed, even I'm feeding my own personal dogs, you know, I, I look at them every day, and I, and just surprisingly, you know, adjusting, you know, it might be a quarter cup or whatever it might be. The biggest thing is just notice it. Because if you say, well, geez, I didn't recognize that he was getting so heavy. If you look for the tuck behind those ribs, just that little bit of tuck makes a difference. Now, if a backbone is showing, well, you you backed off way too much. I mean, but a little tuck mm-hmm. behind the ribs. And I can remember when I had a tuck under my ribs, too. I <laughs> That's that's when Tina wasn't fit and feeding you quite as much. I, I understand that. It must have been, yeah. yeah. Uh, Tom, she oh, maybe needs to take a look at me before she feeds me at night. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Looking for that tuck. <laughs> right. Um, I, I have, uh, My dogs, you know, being the, the little Britneys that they are, but my older dog... There's times that she will just take a few mouthful, and she really doesn't want any more. And there, I, I'm not. It seems to be when it's really warm, and she's just she'll walk away from it. And I, if I leave food for her, the other ones just kind of drool over it. <laughs> and uh, the, but it, there's uh, there's time when she's just not that hungry. And I, there's two things there. I think age has something to do with that, too. You know, they get a lot older. You know, they're really not. Their metabolism is different than those younger dogs uh, is. And, and so you're going to you're just going to see a difference there. But warm weather does. It just it just kind of takes, you know, some of that energy away from them. And, you know, if they're just laying around most of the day as well, they're probably not going to be as aggressive eating. And that's why I say some dogs just, they'll wait till later in the evening when it cools down before they'll actually eat. You know, unless they're having to try to compete with another dog where you got food bowls down, you know, in your home uh, by another dog. Well, that's a different story, but we definitely see a difference. Also, you'll see when you get that hot weather, 
you'll see some of these dogs, their coats react too. I mean, all of a sudden you start seeing, holy cow, look at all of this dog hair in the house. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, their body says, you know what, we don't need this extra coat. So you're going to just see, you know, a lot more hair coming out. I mean, it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, you don't have a good dog food or things aren't going right health-wise. It's just that their body reacts a little bit to the temperature as well. But, Tom, I feed Purina, Purina Pro Plan, and I feed the sport, but I feed it all year round, even in the summertime when the dogs aren't working near as hard as they are in the fall. But there, there's that's there's nothing wrong with feeding the sport brand or the fort, sport formula all year, is there? No, there isn't. And then one big thing is what you don't want to do is, you know, say like, okay, I'm not going to be as busy in the summer. So we're going to cut back and we're going to feed kind of a lesser quality food. And then, oh, we'll get back on it when hunting season comes. Well, you can't just switch them on and off like that. So, yes, feed what you're feeding, but just monitor and you're going to maybe just cut back you know, based on, you know, what your dog's activity is like. But you can just kind of cut back and monitor them, like I was talking about a little bit earlier. Uh, you just the amount of, amount of dog food might change. Yeah, I get a, a, a switching topics just slightly. I get asked quite frequently for who I would recommend to go uh, take a dog for, to training. And mm-hmm. a lot of times... People are looking for to get their dog in training like late late August, right before the season gets going. And at, my experience is those a lot of time that those slots are full way way in advance. People if if people are thinking about training right before the hunting season with a pro like yourself, how far in advance do they need to get that sort of thing booked? Um, before it gets too close. Well, I mean, it, it depends on the program, though, too. I mean, our bird and gun introduction is for puppies when they're five months old. We only take a you know a certain number of them. Uh, but I would always tell people if you know you're going to do it, you know, call early to no matter who you're going to go and, and have train your dog, because you might be surprised at how far out maybe training might be. Uh, and, you know, and especially like you say, as you get closer, you know, and you're going to, we're going to have brush up training as well as the dogs that are in for full training programs at that time of year. You know, a lot of people realize that, hey, I really haven't done much training with the dog and it was trained in the past and I, I just want it tuned up. I want you to get him in shape and just kind of brush up his fundamentals. Well, we're, you're going to see that up in our country. You're going to see that in August and early September where there's going to be a lot of that going on, too. So I always tell people, you know, just get on the books. You know, and I, I know in our facility, you know, you're not getting charged to, to put your um, reservation in, but but get it on the books because nothing would be more disappointing than planning it out and then all of a sudden you can't, you know, you can't get in. So, uh, right. yeah, definitely, definitely get get ahead of the schedule. Our guest is professional dog trainer Tom Dawkin. And his kennel that he's referring to is Oak Ridge Kennels in Northfield, Minnesota. Tom, I know that we have talked about this before, probably a number of times, but I, I think it's that important, and we haven't talked about it for a long time because there's a lot of people that have new dogs and have new pups, 
and talk talk to talk to us a little bit about the the bird and gun introduction that my dogs have gone through and i i i i thoroughly believe in it too it's well probably one of the most important foundations my dogs have had and it's just so crucial but talk to us a little bit about what goes into it and and you mentioned the dog should be five months old, but what what people need to do beforehand? Yeah, you know, and I think you really preface that well, that I, I really, too, believe it's the most important program because it, it's what's going to get your dog going from a position of maybe going to be a hunting dog to, yes, you do have a hunting dog. And that program is, it's we have them for two weeks. We're going to introduce them properly to birds, and we're going to introduce them properly to the gun. And, you know, We've done thousands of these introductions, and and the reason I say that is because every introduction is extremely important. It's not like, and I always tell people, you can do a bad job with sit or woe, and you still have a hunting dog. You do a bad job with the gun, and you're done. So it's it's really critical that it's done right. And, you know, it takes us two weeks professionally you know, with a dog that, you know, has potential but then also hasn't had a bad experience with any noises to actually get them to the point where we're shooting birds over them and it starts off real gradual, blank gun, 410, 20-gauge, 12-gauge. But, you know, it always starts off with introduction to birds, bringing out a real high prey drive first, and then the gun introduction is gradual. So there's always going to be guys out there that have said, you know, I just took my dog hunting and he was just fine. Um, and I always say that's a roll of the dice because if you shoot the gun over them and they do have a bad experience, uh, there's a good chance that we just can't get them out of it. And now you have a pet on your hand versus a pet and a hunting dog. So, uh, it's, it's critical. It really is. I mean, I, uh, my own personal dogs, I mean, it, I want to make sure, and especially, I'm glad you mentioned that, because 4th of July is going to be coming up here pretty soon. Yep. And, oh, boy, and you, a dog that has not been introduced to the gun, you can't, can't believe how many of them have been messed up for life uh, because of 4th of July. And so you have to be thinking about this. If you have a young dog right now, what are you going to do to make sure that they're not around that situation before they would be introduced properly to the gun. Um, it, it happens all the time. And not necessarily always the 4th of July. How about, you know, somebody comes in and you got a puppy in the house and, and they have a nail gun they're shooting or, or something like that. So you really need to think about early on making sure that that puppy doesn't have a bad noise experience to begin with and or a bad bird experience, meaning, um, you know, if you start off with live birds and a, and a young dog has to chase after a live bird, well, they're a little unsure of that, and they're unsure if they can tackle that bird, and they don't know if, if they're dominant enough to do that. And if they have a bad experience of it, maybe the wing's flapping them in the face, well, now you've already started with a problem. So... Mm-hmm. It, it's it's critical. I don't care what breed you have. It's it's 100% critical. Tom, we have to take a pause. Are you okay for staying with us another segment? You bet. Excellent. Our guest is Tom Dockin, pro trainer and the owner of Oak Ridge Kennels in Northfield. When we come back, we're going to ask Tom what you should do on the 4th of July if you've got a young dog that you're not sure. We'll also talk to him about e-collars. E-collars are something that 
people rely on all the time for a number of different things and we'll talk about talk with Tom about intros to e-collars and how you should use them and perhaps what you shouldn't do with them okay hold on we'll be right back with more fan outdoors and Tom Dockin after this Welcome back to Fan Outdoors. Time now for our weekly clam trap talk. Now, along with a clam outdoors pro, here's the captain, Billy Hildebrand. Well, he's actually not a clam outdoors pro. He is the director of marketing for clam outdoors. And, uh, you know, normally we're talking to clam professional anglers. In the winter time, it's not winter, even though Bob is wishing for some cold weather and and fall already, but it's not cold weather. But there's something that is also crucial to keeping you healthy. You know, waiting for cold weather too, and enjoying the summertime a whole bunch. And joining us now was is the director of marketing, Mr. Dan Stefanich. Dan. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Not too bad. Not too bad. Enjoying summer and hoping it doesn't fly by too fast. They've, everyone goes way too fast, my friend. Oh, I know. It's uh, it's been a crazy year, but everybody's uh, everybody's out there out there on the water now. So exciting time. Well, the, the sun is out there too, Dan, and and uh, Clam has got uh, Clam Outdoors has got some products that really should be of an awareness, have an awareness for people as they get out there because it could keep them a lot more healthy later on in their life. You bet, Billy. We, uh, we launched a, a, a brand of apparel. Um, this is actually our third year. It's called Blackfish Gear uh, right here out of, out of Minnesota. And uh, it's, uh, it's, been going, it's been going really well. And one of our, one of our key offerings is uh, uh, sun shirts. Uh, UPF, you know, hoodies, um, sun shirts, gaiters, gloves, and uh, you know I appreciate you guys having me on today to talk about the importance of of sun protection because at the end of the day, uh, you know anglers, outdoors men and women, uh, even kids that are spending time outdoors, you've got to be comfortable, you've got to stay protected if you're gonna if you're gonna enjoy enjoy the activity. What Dan? What does it What does it do? Does it take the place of sunscreens? It does. It does. So, um, our sun shirts, our blackfish. We've got two series. There's a guide and an angler series, and they're uh, they actually have UPF ratings. They're ultra protection factor uh, rated shirts. So, uh, one series is thirty uh, UPF. The other is is fifty. Um, and some people get it confused with an SPF, which is a sun protection factor. That's really relevant for lotions that you put on your on your body. But what's great about you know having these these sun shirts is exactly that. It's going to protect your body, keep you from getting burned. Um, so you're going to stay you're going to stay comfortable. But it keeps the skin it keeps the sun from beating on your skin. And it's going to help you regulate your core temperature better on on the water. Um, you know, another another feature of these is uh, 
the fabric. We use a chemical-free cooling technology. The fabric itself actually wicks moisture and it evaporates very rapidly, uh, so it keeps that <clears throat> keeps the sweat off your body, basically. So you're going to stay dry, um, and you're going to stay cool. So when you get, you know, basically moisture, whether it's it's summer, winter, whatever, that that robs your body, uh, <clears throat> um, you know, with temperature exchange. So you want to keep your 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 core cool and regulated that's what these shirts do so they're really it's high performance gear you know it's just not it the 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 fabric technology has come come such a such a long way and it's it's so important and really you know guides you know tournament anglers guys and gals are just you know they're making their living out there they've got to be on the water all day and they got to they got to stay protected so it's just been a it's been a it's really a, a fun fun brand for us to represent you know in the in the clam family and the blackfish family we've got so many you know so many anglers and we've just built a really a really good following behind it because you know we we fish you know we're we're the you know the uh, you know the the guys that are designing and developing this and marketing this. Everybody on our team, we you know we're out, we're outdoorsmen and women. So we fish, we get it, we know what works and what doesn't work. So we wanted to come out with uh, you know a line of apparel that 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 works. It's the best. That's the best out there. So it's uh, it's been it's been really fun. Do washings make a difference, Dan, as far as the number of times this clothing is washed and cleaned? No, so you can no matter how much you wear and wash it, it will never lose its 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 cooling properties. That's what we call it. It's a, it's a chemical free cooling system. So some fabrics are treated uh, that give you the you know your your body the uh, the impression that it's keeping you cool, but it's not. Without chemical additions, it'll you'll never be, wash the cooling properties out of it, no matter what. And before we let you go, Dan. Uh, well, and Bob, me, I'll, I'll let Bob come in to jump in in just a second. But I know that the rain gear from Blackfish is unique in the sense that it's excellent, excellent rain gear for those folks that don't have it yet. Yeah, and again, these are technical garments. Uh, the breathability factor it's 100% waterproof, but combined with the breathability, um, it, they're just spectacular rain suits. And we came out with a ladies' rain suit uh, this year as well. So, you know, guys that want to get their wives or girlfriends out on the on the water, don't worry about the rain. We've got, we've got rain suits for women. But basically that, it, by letting your body breathe, uh, you're not going to get wet from, from your own sweat. Again, it goes back to staying dry. You're going to be comfortable and dry all day on the water. Hmm. Uh, curious, you know, a lot of times folks um, in the winter months are inside the clam shelters, but is there a is there a UPF component to the clam ice fishing clothing for folks that are out st- sitting on the lake? I'm thinking it's, it maybe isn't doesn't have the power of a summer sunshine, but I've gotten burnt sitting on the surface of the ice uh fishing on a nice day before too yeah we don't have in the clam line of apparel we don't have specific sun shirts but uh there's been a lot a lot of overlap with the blackfish uh brand 
over into ice angling too. We also have soft shells, um, and we've got a pullover that's one of the most windproof, waterproof, uh, water resistant things I've ever worn. Uh, and a lot of our anglers, uh, this winter on ice just wore that as their, um, you know, kind of they're knocking around on a, on a semi nice day. And it also works as a, as a base layer underneath their, uh, their ice armor as well. So it's not, so Blackfish, it's still a separate brand, but, um, you know, we exhibit at the, uh, the St. Paul ice show this past year. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a perfect, perfect product for, uh, for, for ice anglers as well. Where can people find the product, Dan? Um, they can go to blackfishgear.com as uh, our website. It's available there. We also have a dealer locator there. We're in a lot of retailers, uh, Fleet Farm, Farm Brothers. Uh, best thing is just to go to blackfishgear.com and, and do a, uh, uh, a retailer search and, and find one uh, closest, uh, closest to you. Excellent. Well, sir, thank you so much for the information. I know uh, a lot of people are going to appreciate it, and if they don't have it, they need to get it. And uh, this is some guy that's talking from experience, as I said earlier in the program, having had uh, cancer on my face and had to have it removed one layer of skin at a time. So you don't want to go through that. No, it is so important to keep keep your skin protected and uh you know the other the other advantage too with the hoodies and the gaiters you're not constantly applying you know sunscreen lotion all day either you stay covered yeah. up uh and a lot of anglers don't like to, to mess with that so big big trend going on right now and um yeah people if they haven't gotten gotten one of these they should get out try it out and make a make a believer of them but i sure appreciate you uh inviting me on the show to to talk about it you betcha, Dan. We will uh, chat soon, I'm sure, and uh, until that time, good fishing to you, sir. You too. Take care, guys. That's Dan Stefanich from Clam Outdoors talking about blackfish and the UP, the UV clothing that blackfish has, and uh, it's uh, well worth the cost, and you don't want to sit in the chair like I did and have them peel you. It just, it's, not a, it's not a good feeling because you end up with uh, a lot of scabs for a long time. So don't go through that, okay? Just saying. We'll take a pause, our last pause of today for this edition of Fan Outdoors, and come back with just Bob and I. Wonder what we're going to talk about? Well, you're going to have to come back and listen and hopefully enjoy the rest of the show. We'll be back with more after this on Fan Outdoors. Skyuma! finish up the show last segment for today for this edition anyway 
I going on down at Lake Eufaula in Alabama, I believe it is. Well, the elite tournaments have begun again. The elite series tournaments for Bassmaster, and uh, local young man, one of the very very best anglers anywhere in the country and beyond, is sitting right now in fifteenth place, I believe it is. And they had to make it to in the top 40. He came up quite a bit because he was 52nd yesterday and struggled a little bit. He's in 15th now, and if he gets to the top 10, he'll fish again on Saturday. So he's fishing tomorrow and uh, aiming for the top 10 on uh, finishing tomorrow to be able to fish Saturday for hopefully the win. And he, I am referring to, is uh, pro angler Mr. Seth Fighter. And if you'd like to watch it and follow it, as I do and both my boys do, uh, go to Bassmaster.com. And yesterday and today, I believe it was uh, covered live on ESPN2. So you can watch them. And if you haven't watched it before, some of you may think that watching a tournament angler fish is like walking, watching paint dry but or grass grow or just watching me fish when you're in the back of the boat when you're not catching anything, which that means two of us sometimes. But I find it fascinating. Just fascinating to watch them, and I've learned so much watching these anglers fish. And if you if you're so inclined, you can do so. I believe it begins around eight o'clock in the morning, uh, live on uh, online, and also I'm not sure ESPN when they have it, but you can check it out. And I know our our co-host this evening and most evenings has probably got his pink jig and white twister tail all packed and ready to roll and located in his boat right now because he is off like a dirty shirt in (laughs) the the not too distant future freshly reloaded um all stocked up with uh brand new sharpened pink jigs and uh, (laughs) i'm ready to roll captain i i took uh took tomorrow off and i'm gonna have a long weekend getaway very much looking forward to it. So, are you going to this secret lake that you're going? You've gone to before, where the fish grow. They 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 come out of the egg as, as huge fish already, <laughs> and nobody knows. Uh, I, we actually were talking about that tonight. Uh, I am so that particular lake. Uh, you can't get a boat into. It's um, it it doesn't have a launch. So if we if we fish that means we gotta throw a canoe on the uh, roof of the truck and, and bring that in, which I think that we are going to do because it is um, uh, there must be some sort of steroid um, fry or insects that the bluegills get to eat there because they are as big as frying pans, and I would like to catch a couple. <laughs> I would like to catch a couple of those. So. I, I think uh, we'll probably start with a crappie lake, and then, you know, maybe, maybe a little later on, we're gonna tr- 
test out that canoe lake, which would be, it, you know, if we catch them, great. It would be fun to just be a little little adventure. You know, and so says the man who told me not too many years ago that the best place, the easiest place to be in a canoe was in the back. Because uh, when you don't have somebody else with you in the boat that that does a whole lot, be in the back because it's so simple. Yeah. And I believed him. And I'll wow. never believe him when it comes to anything canoeing again. <laughs> well, it is simple. If you want to be in control, you should be in the back. And, you know, uh, I, I just thought, I thought, you know, you're the captain for crying out loud. Yeah, you no. Know, no. No. You wanted to be no. well, like George Washington and just be at the at the front and kind of picking where you were going to go. You know, I haven't been in a canoe since either, buddy. <laughs> but you bought one. Well, I bought a square back and I've also I've only used that once and on that journey Chad and I I I had my uh, co-worker, good friend of mine who then wasn't uh, fall off the dock because I didn't put the dock in right. That's right. Well, you know, you have too been in a canoe because you've been into the Boundary Waters. Oh, yeah, I did. I went with Steve Kleist. Yep, you're yeah. right. You're right. I <laughs> lied. Yeah. He was times. in the back, though, by gosh, not me. <laughs> That's true. Well, we've been in a canoe together since then. Yeah, and I, where, I wasn't in the back, was I? I think you were in the middle, weren't you? I was someplace I needed to be, and that was doing nothing. <laughs> I think because wasn't it last year's trip to Ely that we uh, we didn't go into the Boundary Waters, but we rolled it into a lake just uh, north of Shagwa. And, yeah, I think uh, it was up the up the trail someplace. Up the Echo Trail, just a little bit, and and you didn't even have to use a paddle. All you got to do was sit in the middle and fish. I got to sit in the middle and watch you catch fish, fish on your pink jig and white twister tail. Well, it was crappie fishing, so I had an advantage. You, yeah, you know that the way I will give you all the kudos in the world, my friend, because you, it's we talk about confidence, and you have the utmost confidence in that thing. Maybe too much, right? I'm, I'm not sure. It keeps working for you. At least when I've seen it, it keeps working uh, for you. I, it is funny, I you know I, I'm excited to get away and go fishing, but I, um, I I met a group of friends last evening up uh, at Four Brooks, which is a WMA that partially open to um, dog training all year long. So, um, you know, 99.5% of the WMAs across the state are closed for nesting season right now. But there's a couple of them here and there that have special uh, rules that allow you to, to do some dog training. And last last evening, it was the upper 60s, a nice wind. And I tell you what, Captain, it has lit the fire in me for autumn. And I, I recognize I'm looking at the bottom of my computer screen and it says June, you know, <laughs> June 11th. Uh, but I, I am ready to. Oh, don't race. start this yet. I'm not ready I, for this. Yet. <laughs> Let, I am ready for it to be mid-September. Let's go. Well, I got right? news for you, buddy. <laughs> you just keep being ready. 
and to be disappointed each morning when the sun comes up and it's not. Because, yeah, you know, all we have to look forward to are 100-degree days in humidity, and let's let's bring on hard water and wind chill. Let's do this. Yeah, let's go out and find some walleyes. Let's go out and find some largemouth. How about a few crappies? No, I'm not even going to entertain that thought yet. You're too early? Because in my world, once that happens, I know being here where I am is uh, short-lived. Yeah. And I know it's going to be time to close it up, but I'm not even beginning to entertain that for the long time. I, you know, it's it, part of it is I've got this uh, new little bird dog, uh, Gitchy, and I'm so excited to experience all the firsts. You know, the the first opening day and the first flush, the first point. And, you know, even, you know, God willing, I've got a, you know, the 13 plus year old Trammel. I'm optimistic that she's going to make it to her 14th opening day. I I just can't stop thinking about September right now. Well, I'm sorry. You're, you're, you're solitary in your thoughts, buddy. I do not share them. Uh, (laughs) I uh, I would have had a young pup, but it wasn't to be. And apologies to Greg Muscolia of of, of the kennel that I was with, and it's Anna B. Rose Kennels, and but I I couldn't do it. And I'm on the list, so if people are in the market and they think they are for a Brittany, you might want to contact Greg, as I have done, because my name is on his list. He's going to do a, a rebreeding in the future of the same male and female that had this litter. And uh, it was a wonderful litter, so highly recommended. And it'll take a period of time, but just exactly like myself, you can wait, and it's worth the wait. So it's Anna B. Rose Kennels. So I'm I'm planning to go fishing tomorrow. How about you? Well, as much as I want to go bird hunting, I'm going to go fishing too. Okay, all right. Yeah, I'm I, I am excited to do a little fishing. It's just, um, yeah, I, I'm probably going to start off uh, trying to find the walleye, and when I fail, uh, I'll move to my confidence. <laughs> I and, like that uh, confidence. Even uh, when and, I and, fail. And when I fail, I'll move along and, and try to find uh, some crappies and bluegills. And um, it's hard to beat that, especially this time of year. It's just, you know, it, it's so much fun to catch those fish on light tackle. I can tell you with light tackle, too, I will be at uh, uh, first thing probably tomorrow. I will be at Fletcher's Bait. I'll be looking for brassy shiners. And a number of them, and I will be on whichever lake my little heart desires, and I'll be looking for some fish. And uh, I really don't care if I catch them or not, very honestly, but I expect to catch something. And those little brassy shiners, I've still got a couple left, and they've been they've been alive for me in that angle cooler for about three weeks now. And uh, they do it does a great job. 
That is, that's another piece of technology that's uh, been very, very good for the outdoors. I, I bought an angle cooler with the aerator about a year ago, and you're right. I, I don't think I've kept fish alive for three, or minnows alive for three weeks, but uh, it definitely keeps them alive exponentially longer than anything else I've ever owned. I, and I think one of the advantages is the 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 insulation that it has, mm-hmm. because you don't have to add water from the lake at all. And I think that's a real huge advantage. And if it does get really hot, what I do is just freeze uh, some lake water in a Ziploc bag and put it in the cooler when I go out on the lake on a hot day, and it keeps thing it keeps keeps things much livelier too. Mm. Um, but that's an advantage and do not use tap water to change your water because that will uh, that will be the demise of your minnows just saying yeah have you um started to switch over to leeches this time of year i've i've got them and i know i didn't fish walleyes last weekend but i know that some of the people and some of the fish that Eric and his buddy Matt caught were on leeches. Some were on crawlers. And Eric has just discovered picking crawlers out here at the cabin because I, uh, I, I covered one of the flashlights I have with a red piece of cellophane. And he's having a wonderful, delightful time catching crawlers. And I thought I forgot that he probably doesn't know what they are and how to catch them. And that's one of the things I want to ask Stan, too, is how come they they don't have eyes, night crawlers do, but they, they're they sensitive to white light. Hmm. And red light doesn't seem to bother them near as much, and I wonder why. Hmm. So that's just one of the things I think about, and Stan's, mind, Stan's name immediately comes to mind. <laughs> well, and when, uh, when its name comes to mind, then it's time to have him back on the show. Yeah, we probably will real soon. Uh, I know he was busy this Thursday and this Saturday because he has a uh, he had a loon group come in. They were doing a photo tour, and uh, a lot of the people that come in for his tour are are from outside the U.S. And it's uh, but well, it's time to get into your. Uh, your travel attire, my friend, your buckskins, and hit the road, okay? Sounds good. Load it well, up. Have a uh, ter- terrific rest of your birthday, Captain. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much, all. And, uh, you know, I want to say thank you to our guests for joining us, to Tommy George, to Tom Dockin, and Dan Stefanich. But thank you for allowing Bob and I to travel with you. So we'll see you next week, same time, same place, right here on KFAN 100.3 on Fan Outdoors. For Brianne Burdett, for Bob St. Pierre, I'm Billy Hildebrand. See ya.